0: his foot broke! His foot is broke! His his left foot is broken! We only get them once a month, but when they hit, they just hit different. A UFC pay-per-view is a household event. I mean that and the fact that if you had friends round for pizza at every fight night, you'd probably be broke by now, copiously buying enough beer to compensate for some of the more lacklustre cards. Granted, with the amount of stars and talent now in the UFC, most pay-per-views are stacked top to bottom with entertainment, but there have been several examples of fights that have unequivocally been bigger draws than the main event, either by the quality of the matchmaking, the fight itself, or general disinterest in what is being contested at the end of the night. And before the video, just a quick reminder to like and subscribe, we recently noticed only a few of you are getting notifications, so make sure to click the bell and turn those on. Join me, Balian, as we take a look at 10 times fights with bigger draws than the pay-per-view main event. Number 10, Ortiz Shamrock 2 over Tim Sylvia Arlovski 3 it's funny what a good rivalry will do for fan interest, and after witnessing firsthand the back-and-forth verbal disputes between coach Ken Shamrock and t 2 in the third season of The Ultimate Fighter, I have to say I was ready for the words to be over and to see the men with the two biggest heads in the sport bang them together. You have way too much pubic hair. But what was the main event that night, you ask? Why a rubber match for the UFC heavyweight title? Pretty exciting stuff, right? Well, honestly, it wasn't terrible, but fan interest for the lumbering Tim Sylvia was never particularly high, and everyone knew that we still had another 15 years to watch the Bulldog Andre Orlovsky. Of course, they didn't actually know that, but it didn't make their matchup in the main event of UFC 61 any more appealing, especially when compared to the season three testosterone-fueled rivalry that the majority of the fan base had just spent 12 weeks watching. The trash talk was heating up. Marshmallow hey. boy. Little bitch hey. monkey. Tito was doing a great job of selling the fight, and we all expected Ken to kick a few more chairs around. Hey, that was crazy, wasn't it? The event itself set a new pay-per-view record, with Tito earning nearly twice as much as his fellow athletes, most likely reflecting who the true star of the show was that night. Number 9, Nate Diaz vs. Leon Edwards over Adesanya Vittori 2. After the legacy and pop culture iconography crafted by the younger Diaz brother Nate, it's going to be almost impossible for any fight to exceed the anticipation he brings every time he steps inside the octagon, even if that fight happens to be the main event of UFC 263 with one of the sport's modern superstars in Israel Adesanya. Undoubtedly, people were keen to see Izzy bounce back after his first loss in MMA as he went up a weight class to challenge champion Blakovic. Vittori made an interesting opponent in regards to trash talk and pre-fight hype, but seeing as Izzy had already beaten him once before, the chances of something crazy happening seemed pretty low. On the other side of things, Diaz was once again making a return to the octagon. All the pre-fight interviews suggested Nate was ready to take on the whole roster and planned on competing several times that year, starting with the streaking Leon Edwards. His ability to rack up an eight-fight win streak was impressive, as was his position in the rankings of the division. If Diaz could pull out a win, there was no telling what his next move would be. There were a lot of interesting scenarios that could play out, and this certainly added to the anticipation of the fight, Nate also being one of those fighters who can just make you believe in them, even when everything on paper suggests otherwise. The fight did not disappoint point, unless you were one of the many Diaz fans who expressed frustrations at seeing Nate not capitalize on his one opportunity to finish the fight. Regardless, it was clear who fans were most looking forward to seeing compete that evening. Number 8. Randy vs. James Tony over Edgar Penn 2 We've had a lot of MMA stars cross over into boxing recently, to middling success. Of course, on the biggest stage, Conor McGregor fell short against Mayweather, and the question has arisen. Why not play fair? Let's bring some boxers into MMA and see how they would do rather than the other way around. Foul! No, two fouls. For those of you who will remember, we've already done that at UFC 118 when boxer James Tony stepped into the octagon to face our own MMA hero Randy Couture. Tony at one point had a boxing record of 44 and 0, nothing to be scoffed at, and given that he had some choice words for mixed martial arts, it's not surprising quite a few fans wanted to see him feel the pain of some ground and pound, elbows, kicks, and knees. They were placed as the co-main event to the rematch between Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn, which sounds like a relatively big fight, and it was. Although Frankie was still relatively unknown in the sport and had yet to set in stone his own legacy. BJ had looked a little lackluster in their extremely close and somewhat controversial first contest, and although fans were keen indeed to see if he could recapture his title, the majority of media attention was fixated on Tony versus Couture. Don't forget as well that Randy was still an MMA icon himself, this battle coming right at the end of his career after he had achieved far more than your average fighter. Three-time heavyweight champion, two-time light heavyweight. So a heavyweight KO boxing artist against American Hero, who doesn't want to see that? There was also a part of the fanbase who believed, given the power of Tony, he could very easily sleep the grinder Couture. I mean, he certainly had a chance. Regardless, the Tony Couture circus was the talk of fight week, and MMA fans got what they wanted with a first round submission. Number seven, Chuck and Shogun over Anderson Silva and Talis Latis. The era of Chuck Liddell in the UFC runs parallel with so many others in various promotions around the world, including Pride and its superstars. And of course, the majority of those individuals made their way over to the UFC. I've mentioned it before, but never again will there be another promotion as big as Pride with an entire roster of tested combat athletes ready to merge into the UFC's own. And of course, as a result of this, we were treated to some epic clashes between superstars who were once continents apart. Another one of these came the night of UFC 97. A conflict was finally scheduled between Pride legend Shogun Hua and the Iceman himself, Chuck Nadell. Granted, Chuck was at the tail end of his career, but Shogun had yet to fight for a title, was fresh off the boat from Pride, and still carried all the hype fans had instilled in him. This matchup of two legends was up against the mostly underwhelming Anderson Silva vs. Talis late, his main event. It was lower on the card even than Matt Wyman vs. Sam Stout. Yeah, this was a contest years in the making, a chance for Chuck to prove the doubters wrong, which he unfortunately failed, and another step in the career of the future champion Shogun Hua. Number 6, CM Punk vs. Mickey Gaul over Stipe Miocic Overeem. Granted, a heavyweight title fight is traditionally marketed as one of the most, if not the most exciting UFC matchup possible, it is surprising that the contest between longtime MMA veteran Alistair Overeem, who has just about every belt except a UFC title, was finally going to get another shot at snatching one from the hands of Stepe Miocic, who was making his first title defense. I mean, who doesn't want to see Earth's biggest warriors clash in a cage to fight for the title of baddest man on the planet? Well, considering a certain WWE superstar was making his MMA debut that night at UFC 203, I don't know if it's surprising or not surprising that the inaugural UFC performance of CM Punk stole the spotlight that night, and possibly for all the wrong reasons. Punk had announced his entrance into the UFC in December 2014, and the community had to wait nearly a whole two years for his first steps inside the octagon. Some of the fanbase were interested for the pure crossover appeal, being fans of both WWE and the UFC. Others were quietly curious to see if Punk did indeed have any transferable skills, and other parts just wanted to see a fake wrestler maybe get his head caved in. Ghoul was signed following the YouTube show Dana White's Looking for a Fight, where he made his pro debut and called out CM Punk, then went on to be MMA journalist Mike Jackson, and now with the 2-0 record, was set to fight Punk. It was a complete blowout for Gaul who tapped him in two minutes. However, the talk of the card, fight week, and social media metrics were all on the side of the WWE wrestler, who unfortunately proved why a near 40 year old, no amateur experienced combatant really shouldn't be inside the octagon. Number five Connor vs. Dustin over DJ Chris Carriaso. Back before either man found themselves headlining UFC pay-per-views, these two featherweights met at UFC 178 when Conor was reaching its peak and any doubters wanted to see him tested against a legit opponent, which he got in Poirier. The build-up to the fight sizzled in intensity as they traded barbs back and forth like two MCs at the shelter with Connor promising to bounce his head off the canvas and Dustin looking to expose the new clown on the block. In either case, heat was rising off of this one, far more than the main event that evening as Demetrius Johnson looked to increase his title defense streak to five, taking on challenger Chris Cariasso, a matchup that was considered pretty one-sided, with most expecting the champion to breeze through him, which he did. Oh, and by the way, the rest of the card was absolutely stacked as well. Featuring Don Cerrone vs. Eddie Alvarez, Yoel Romero vs. Tim Kennedy, Kat Zingano vs. Amanda Nunez, Dominic Cruz returning against Mizagadi, Masvidal taking on now-glory head coach James Krause, as well as Wonderboy and Kevin Lee. Yeah, honestly, there were quite a few fights that probably would have drawn more than the main event at this one. Regardless, Connor was the star of the show. He did indeed bounce Poirier's head off the canvas and would go on to headline his own fight night vs. Siva before main eventing every single one of his next nine pay-per-view fights, which totaled 13 million sales by the way pretty impressive number four chuck vs Vandalay silver over gsp hughes 3 Many of us will remember that one fabled Pride Grand Prix way back in 2003, Total Elimination, made special due to the fact that Dana White was in attendance and he brought with him the man he claimed would win the whole tournament, the Iceman Chuck Liddell. Mixed martial arts fans were buzzing at a UFC slash Pride crossover, hoping it would all culminate in an ultimate showdown with Chuck facing reigning champion Vandalay Silver in the final round. This dream, however, did not come to fruition, as Chuck was stopped by none other than Rampage Jackson in the second round, and MMA fans were dismayed that the potential super fight had been ripped from underneath them. Flash forward four years to UFC 79, however, and despite both men now being in the UFC, we had still yet to see that legendary showdown until it was announced that the two men would finally meet in the co-main event of UFC 79, a card that would be headlined with a rubber match between Matt Hughes and Georges St-Pierre. There were a couple of reasons why, despite it having two former champions, anticipation wasn't exactly at an all-time high. Firstly, GSP had won the rematch quite convincingly against Hughes with a spectacular head kick into ground and pound TKO. This fight was for the interim and tight as no sooner had GSP won the strap, he had dropped it to Matt Sarah, and again, this was motherfudging Chuck vs. Vandalay, people. The fight did not disappoint, and after years of build-up, the fans got what they wanted. Number 3. Nick Diaz vs. Robbie Lawler 2 over Volkanovsky Ortega Don't get me wrong, Volkanovsky vs. Ortega is an absolute banger of a main event. Coupled with the entertaining back-and-forth on the Ultimate Fighter and the fact we picked 145 as the most competitive division right now, all signs point to UFC 266 being a huge night of fights. However, it's almost impossible for the two featherweights to outshine what's being billed ahead of them on the main card with the return of a mixed martial arts legend, in Nick Diaz after six years away from competition. I sense the dragon warrior is among us. Pair that with the fact that his opponent, ruthless Robbie Lawler, a former champion and competitor that has been fighting in just about every promotion for the last 20 years, and you've got one hell of a fight on your hands. If you wanted to add yet another cream-filled layer to this delicious Victoria sponge, it also has a rematch of their epic contest from 2004, with the BJJ expert Diaz surprised many as he KO'd a surging UFC contender in Lawler. Anticipation was also at an all-time high because no one truly knew how Nick was going to look, if he would have aged out of the sport after six years away or appear better than he ever was. Many parts of Nick's game still seemed to be there, his accuracy, volume and shot selection were at an all-time high, but unfortunately he no longer possessed the stopping power to prevent the ruthless one from constantly stepping forward, and the reduction in his hand speed allowed Robbie's head movement to really shine. It didn't end the way I'm sure a lot of fans wanted, but we still got to see a legendary matchup 209 months in the making. Number 2. Brock Lesnar vs. Mark Hunt over Nunes Tate UFC 100 was one of the greatest events of all time and was stacked from top to bottom with the organization's premier talent and future stars. Unfortunately, the same can't be said about UFC 200. I mean, they tried. The Conor-Nate rematch was pulled from the event after Conor refused to leave Iceland while training to attend a press conference. John Jones vs. Daniel Cormier fell apart because John pissed hot. Yes, they still stacked the card with talent, but it wasn't as if all the biggest stars in the UFC were all on the bill that night. They simply weren't. One return, however, however, got combat sports fans across the globe buzzing with anticipation or at the very least curiosity as it was announced by Ariel hawani not the UFC infamously, that Brock Lesnar would be making a return to mixed martial arts at UFC 200. Historically, Brock's pay-per-view numbers had been much higher than your regular UFC champion and his name on the bill would certainly boost ratings, especially when paired opposite KO artist Mark Hunt for a true grappler versus striker matchup. But the UFC keeping to their title fights top the bill rule could not place Brock as the main event and instead bumped up the 135-pound women's title fight between Amanda Nunes and Misha Tate. Sure, that sounds great right now, but at the time Nunes' star was a shadow of what it is today, Tate was a vet and was certainly one of the biggest stars in the women's division, but compared to the jacked white boy Brock Lesnar, they couldn't get fans' blood rushing the right way. Undoubtedly, the return of Lesnar and potentially Suplex City certainly drew more eyes to the TV screens that night, as the co-main bumped the main event at one of the biggest events in history. Number 1. GSP BJ Penn over Franklin David Loazzo When are we going to see women in the uh, UFC, man? Never. Never? Never. (laughs) Believe it or not, when you incorporate a new division in mixed martial arts, often it takes a few years to truly fill it with enough talent, rivalries, and win streaks to make it particularly appealing. Hello. The same could be said of the middleweight division just two years after its creation. Sure, there'd been a few title fights and a few fighters making a name for themselves, but its overall popularity and star power it contained paled in comparison to the rest of the UFC divisions. UFC 58 was no different. Middleweight champion Rich Franklin was set to make his title defense against David Loazzo, most fans would probably struggle to remember. Of course, the main event was once again overshadowed by the magnitude of a welterweight matchup taking place earlier that evening, with quite literally two of the biggest rising stars in the sport set to face each other for the title of division's next hottest prospect. BJ Penn and George St-Pierre had both shown dominance in their UFC careers, putting on performances that elevated their names above the rest of the rank and file, and both were poised for a title shot with a victory. Fan anticipation was at an all-time high, ready to chant the names of both fighters like Chong Li emerging in Bloodsport. The itself did not disappoint with GSP demonstrating his ability to adapt like no other, eventually leading to a win. Both would go on to garner more fan support in the future, each finding a world title in the process. Shout out to Thaddeus for editing this one. You can catch him on Twitter and on Instagram at Thaddeus M. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. I'll see you in the next one.